Hey, welcome to BTS Podcast. This is your host, Lene Cook. This episode is with artist Antonio Roberts. He is a curator and he is from the UK. Um, if this is your first time listening to BTS Podcast, which starts with a hashtag, by the way, it is hashtag BTS Podcast. The aim of this podcast is to explore the work, people, and resources, and most importantly, in my opinion, the learnings that go into bringing a final product to life. I've been lucky enough to partner with Trendscaping on South by Southwest coverage. This episode was recorded at South by Southwest. Antonio and I would have never met if it wasn't for South by Southwest. And it was super fun to meet him and um, talk about what we talked about. He sent me home with a few of the zines of art that he's worked on, and they're just incredible and I uh, am probably going to scan a few pages and share them when this goes up so feel free to find me and BTS podcast on social so you can see through some of those. Um, So anyways, I partnered with Trendscaping on South by Southwest coverage and I'm super grateful to partner with them um, just for some insight and sort of a behind the scenes on how I came to the conclusion to partner with Trendscaping. Um, I've contributed to them before and subscribed to their newsletter for a while, um, but the, you know, I'm, I'm pretty hesitant ever to partner with anybody unless I super believe in what they do and think that they stand out in a specific way. So even the products you hear me plug in this podcast, um, that's only because I actually use them and I'm a big fan of what they do. So Trendscaping is a trend forecasting site, but unlike most useful trend forecasting sites, it is not cost prohibitive cost prohibitive Um, and it doesn't discriminate based on trends or geography so um, and what that means really is uh, some of my beef for lack of a better word with the larger sort of trend forecasting and I put that in air quotes um, community is because it's often sourced um, like it's often content sourced from only very typically trendy markets Milan Paris New York uh, etc and so I sort of go back and forth on how much they're observing versus driving trends. And what I love about trendscaping is that they are abnormal in the trend forecasting world, but normal in terms of the humanity behind them. Um, So it's sort of like the normal trend world is a noisy market. um, And I love that we don't need to live in a major metropolitan area to create and contribute to trendscaping. And that you also don't have to have a huge budget or a budget at all to learn and consume and share their content. Um, so Trendscaping is free and it offers like quality insights that really help provide, in my experience, language to describe the world around us as it changes. Um, and that to me is like the biggest value added on Trendscaping. Um, and I think a lot of times when we go into the workplace or in conversations, we have a sense of what we're trying to describe, but when we don't have the words for it and we don't have a clear and concise way of saying, you know, what that thing is, um, it makes it really hard to talk about. So, for example, their 2019 trend report focuses on terms like side helpful, the conscious reset, and the circular economy. And these terms are just super, super helpful in describing what's going on around us. Um, we all know that things uh, like life happens before language and then we sort of need to develop language to describe what's going on, which is, you know, that's why we have terms like mansplaining, um, which didn't exist 10 or 15 years ago. It's because 
you know, we were seeing this thing happen and it was, at first it was like, oh, something feels weird about this. Oh, I am noticing this. Oh, do you ever notice how men are always trying to tell me what's going on and explaining themselves? And then we came up with mansplaining. And Trendscaping is really good at taking these sort of large ideas and boiling them down to words that we can all kind of align on what they mean exactly. So I just find them very helpful in discussing macro trends in culture and um, being able to discuss things in the workplace as well as with our peers and um, wrap, I don't know, I guess just like Trendscaping to me does a beautiful job of wrapping up these insights with a bow. So I've contributed and it's been a joy to be a part of the community that's also really supportive of each other's work and um, that everyone's pretty altruistic in their intentions and output, so I love it. So please go on their site. There is um, all the episodes here that you're listening to um, are expounded upon in the site, and I add some more just like insights around them. There's a link in the description. You can find them on social at, at Transcaping, and it's great. Um, so also I wanted to give a special thanks to Will Hodgkinson of The Times and Crispin Perry of British Underground for telling me about Algorave, which is how I found out Antonio. Um, they also invited me to the South By panel, The Art of Failure, which was about driving creative innovation. Um, and I took a lot of notes and sadly, I think I left that notebook at a hotel in Mexico City. So I am digging through some old tweets to resurface those, but had it not been for Will and Crispin, I would not have met Antonio. And I just really appreciate them um, telling me about Algorave, which you will hear about in this episode. Which, speaking of this episode, um, I was exhausted during the recording of it. Um, that's the nature of South By. We recorded on the very last day that we were both in, well, I guess it was his last day at South By. I went and stayed at a friend's house for a few days and then went to Mexico City and then was back in Austin. So we recorded on both of our last day. And so just please forgive a few lapses of my intelligence in this episode, um, it is by no means uh, a great demonstration of probably some of my better uh, thoughts and questions in the world. However, Antonio is great at what he shares, um, and I really enjoyed talking to him. You can find him at, at Hello Cat Food. His work is really fascinating, and if you are in the UK, I highly recommend looking him up and seeing what he has going on in your area. Um, before diving into the meat, of the episode, just a quick request that will take less effort than watching your best friend or even sort of outer circle friends Instagram story. Please find BTS podcast on social across platforms at, at BTS the podcast. Um, give us a follow, share this episode and tag us. And if you feel compelled, subscribe to this podcast on your podcasting app of choice. Um, and someday, if you want to relax, sign up for so Soothe for an in-home massage using my promo code. It is LZLRZ, and it will save you money off your massage. Help me save money on my massage. They don't actually pay me. Um, I just like to plug it because it's something I believe in. And it's super helpful to me to get massages. It's, it's where I do some of my best thinking. Um, I'm a big fan of the sports massage. They come to your house and it's amazing. Um, so I hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, welcome to BTS podcast. This is your host, Lene Cook. Um, I'm super excited to be here in Austin at South by Southwest with Antonio Roberts. Hi, Antonio. Hello. <laughs> so um, Antonio is... Uh, well, actually, do you want to introduce you for explain what you're doing? Because we met through 
Um, I think the guy who does British Underground, yeah. who recommended Algarave to me. Um, and I didn't go last night, so my apologies. <laughs> but um, can you explain what you do and then can you talk a little bit about Algarave? Sure. So um, I'm an artist and a curator, and I'm based in Birmingham in the UK. And generally speaking, I'm making art which is about um, issues surrounding the internet. So um, surveillance culture, people having online identities, and in particular, copyright. Like, that's a big thing about Really? Art. Yeah. That's no cyberbullying art? Well, um, it's, it's certainly an issue, but that's, like, not an issue that I touch on. But yeah, I actually should. It's quite an important one, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so focusing mostly on, like, copyright, mostly because, like, yeah, we're um, we're all making and sharing memes, and that's just the way that we're, we all make art and everything. But there's definitely a lot of laws, DMCA. I'm sure you're aware of that. That um, mm-hmm. try to just stop what we're doing. So yeah, and the way I make my art is usually through programming. So I'm writing pieces of code to make art and um, exhibit them in galleries and things like that. That's awesome. So if people are listening to this and they happen to also be on their computer, where can well like where can they see your work so they can look it up while they're listening sure. for context? Yeah, so you can um, find me at hellocatfood.com because cats are awesome. <laughs> I, I have no idea why I have that website name still. It's been 15 years. But yeah, so I'm hellocatfood.com uh, and just generally hellocatfood everywhere. Um, okay. And you can see uh, lots of past work, tutorials and just who I am. Awesome. That's great. And then, so, um, can you explain what Algarave is? Yeah, so Algarave. Wow. So it's a portmanteau of uh, algorithmic rave, so the two words together. So that might give some context. what did you call it? Portmanteau. I've never heard that phrase. Really? Oh, it's combining two words to make one of one. sounds very fancy, but that could also just be me being American and going like, you're British. Everything you say sounds smart. Well, I, I don't know the origin of the word, but I don't think portmanteau is British. <laughs> As a no, word. The is, word is, or an English yeah. word. But uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, uh, Algorave. And it's, we're making music and live visuals uh, through programming. Right. Um, again, so um, just any electronic music that you might hear and people who make visuals at clubs and everything. So we're doing that. But the one of the most important parts about it is that we are showing what we're doing. Because mm-hmm. if you've ever gone to like, a concert with an electronic musician on their laptop, they're there nodding their head a lot and right. throwing some shapes into the crowd, but you don't know what they're doing behind their laptop. So do you guys use, because um, I used to work with uh, DJs and stuff, and from one of them we made one of those like uh, plexiglass controller things mm. with the sensor things around it so you could see. And in fact, it wasn't that riveting. It was just showing what Serato looks like yeah. on that. Is that... Do you guys use something similar or using video projections or how is it displayed? So usually video projectors okay, and we're literally cool. mirroring our screens. So. And what are you coding in? Oh, various programming languages. Oh, okay. Yeah, so cool. um, this is a world that I just kind of got introduced into around 2014. And okay. there are people who are making software specifically for being able to make music live. Right. So you know, as soon as you kind of type something and yeah. press enter and it runs that piece of code without having to like install it I guess right, right all that time so that yeah people have been making software to do this kind of stuff since like the 80s I think Super yeah. Collider which is a piece of software is the oldest from like I think the early 90s what is it that Girl Talk uses 
Oh, Giles Hall. No, he... Because um, he uses something interesting, and, it, and it's like pre-Ableton and all that stuff. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I've only seen screenshots, but that's still... So that's like more of like a digi- digital audio workstation. Okay, where okay. Where like, yeah, you've got your tracks, uh, your lines of your tracks and everything, yeah. and you're rearranging them. So as far as I remember, I've not looked into what it actually is. But no, what we're using is just pure code. Pure coding. Oh, yeah, I see. Yeah. Okay. Actual lines of code. Uh, we don't really cool. see what tracks or anything that we're using and sometimes we're not even using any samples just going yeah. straight from nothing to sound <laughs> that's really cool so and what do you think like if somebody goes to an algorithm who is not isn't familiar with coding um have, have you guys been approaching it as like an educational tool to show what people can do um and like get people into programming like what is sort of like the goal with algorithm Oh, wow. <laughs> well, to dance, definitely. That's well, yeah. one of the big... Oh, well, that's big... The, my biggest goal. Yeah. You know, when I started going to, to like, clubs and, and stuff at a young age, it took me probably four or five years of going out and partying regularly before I understood that other people were going out to get wasted because I could never understand like why do you care that I'm 21 like I'm not gonna drink don't worry like I couldn't yeah you were out to dance (laughs) so that's lovely I love that that's the main goal yeah definitely you know it's to it's to it's to well one of the main goals is definitely to dance but the education side of things is uh we do that like so firstly we have specific workshops like a lot of the times we run events in the day there'll be a workshop on how to use the software but then yeah Mm -hmm. the event itself we want it. We want to just like close the gaps between the audience and the performer because yeah. you know they're on stage, you're there, they're doing this mysterious magical thing uh, right. in this black box computer, and you're on the stage, you're on the uh, in the crowd dancing. So it's just to um, narrow that gap, so you all we're all you can see what we're doing. Totally. So in that way, it is educational because you can see. But even if you can't understand the code exactly, like yeah, you can see that when one person types something they type it and then something happens totally yeah yeah that's really cool and so then what got you into this um a general interest in programming from a very young age okay just understanding how how old are you so i'm 33 okay Um, so then we're of the same age ish where i think it's um it's really interesting that because when you're you know i'm i'm 29 and i'll be 30 in a few months and i think um, what's really cool about being born in like the late 80s um, or the 80s in general is that you were close enough to like the development of the internet and of software in general that that was when you could play a little like software and the internet were, was not as fully baked at it, as it is now mm-hmm. um, where like you can make a website but not know how to code now right and like that wasn't the case like I mean, I don't know. Did you guys have GeoCities? Oh, yeah. We had okay. GeoCities. Cool. It yeah. was terrible. But. I mean, yeah, but, like, that's how you learned. And so it's fascinating because I feel like um, people who are a little bit younger than we are, even just, like, five years younger than we are, mm-hmm. they're not as familiar because when they started getting online, the Internet was more um, just, like, more professional and fully baked and not as experimental. And so I am – and, you know, we, like – it was very important to embed JPEGs on your MySpace profile. Yeah. And so – it's interesting to see just how people who are younger than us are in fact not as in tune with like sort of, you know, and the podcast is called BTS, like for behind the scenes, but they're not as familiar with like the behind the scenes of how um, final products that you engage with on a screen come to life. Exactly. And and part this is part of the reason why I get uh, it got into programming. So mm-hmm. I come from a art and graphic design background. Yeah, I went to I went to university to study this, and I was just using Photoshop, and it felt like I'm just pressing buttons, and I, I was like, well, what's happening behind the buttons? 
when, when I press yeah. this, like, you know, this affects who's predetermined this? And maybe I want to work in a different way. So I, that's where I began, like, writing software. So then did you get, like, open source photo editing software and stuff and then start playing around with it? Is that what you did? Sort of, yes. But then even went further than that and just went to program, like, like uh, software or one of the coding languages that uh-huh. can do sort of basic video um, image editing and then made it do things that not even open source software can do like just right. does it in a very weird way because you're doing it for fun and they're doing it for practical reasons yeah yeah but like <laughs> like but, you're doing it to be like creative and yeah, they're yeah. they're creating software that like the normal public would want <laughs> very much so and like you know not not say not to um say what creativity should be at all right but i do like that um I can be creative with the tools as well as the output of the tools That's as well. That's so fascinating. Yeah, make something which is really responding and embedded into how I work. Like, So yeah. my computer, it crashes all the time. But oh, sure. It crashes in a way that I know. That <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah, you're I've familiar. made it and it's like I know how to. <laughs> yeah, it's your Frankenstein. <laughs> it yeah. is, it really is. So, yeah. You and my my friend Cheyenne, his um, Instagram handle is Indian Giver, mm. and he, you know, he actually really inspires me a lot. And we've been friends for a while. And um, you know, I went, I learned Photoshop and stuff in school. Like I didn't, well, I learned it initially because I was like uh, wanting to make sure that the photos of myself were perfect. And so I was like face tuning before face tune was a thing, like in <laughs> yeah, high school, yeah. you know. Um, and uh, that's actually how I. Initially learned Photoshop was like mm. touching up photos and like what did I have? I had something that came. I had a camera called like a Cheese, and it was some weird photo program that came with it, similar mm. to Photoshop. But he doesn't have a background in Photoshop. He just plays around with it. And his the artwork he does that made him like Instagram famous is like um, Photoshop tattoos on celebrities. Mm. But then he started playing around with a lot of different movement and stuff in Photoshop. And when I saw what he was doing, I was so fascinated by like, oh, you have fun in Photoshop mm. because I like, I don't have fun in Photoshop. You know what I mean? I'm there to like get something done. And it really made me rethink the way that I interact with software. Um, especially when it comes to photo editing, obviously. And I was like, Oh yeah, that's right. When you first started this, you used to play around and like see what a command did without, you know, without needing to do it and just play around. And I think that he would be like, just because his mind is, like, he's managed to, like, keep, like, a childhood curiosity, which yeah. I respect so much, um, that I think you guys would, like, really gel <laughs> on a lot. Because I'll, I'll show you after this some of the stuff that he's been playing yeah. around with. But it's really fun just to be like, oh, all these things are moving and this mm-hmm. is staying still on these layers. It's fascinating. So then, um, like... Tell me a little bit more about, I guess, like the art that you do personally and like how you curate and like also what that's like for you ego-wise. That's three big questions. (laughs) Sorry. So I'll start with the art then that I make. Um, So the art that I make, wow. Generally speaking, I like noise. I like Mm -hmm. color. I, I don't know where and where that comes from or anything, but... I just like really highly saturated um, artworks mm-hmm. um, just to throw colour around. I'm not sure why. It's like the more noise I add, the more clearer it becomes in some Interesting. way. I don't know how. but mm-hmm. um, And yeah, so, what I, so especially in the last few years, what I like to do is just really, um, uh, I guess, like think reflect on how I make artwork based on others artworks like inspiration is just taking something stuff from somewhere and Mm. I like to make that really a big part of my work so yeah um like I've had a few exhibitions where I've particularly worked with (coughs) images about of Disney 
because mm. um, tiny short history, like with regards to copyright, um, usually the terms of copyright is 70 years plus your life. Yes. And if that this were the case... This is one of my favorite fun facts, so I'm yeah. so excited for you to share it. <laughs> Whereas if it were to be, if that were the case with uh, Disney and Mickey Mouse, it should have been enough copyright by now, but um, I know it was a Sonny Bono case, and I can't remember when it was, but um, uh, that where the, the um, copyright laws were basically extended, so that you can't really... I think there's been more than one case. So yeah, if I remember several. correctly from, because I took some like media law courses because I really wanted, I thought I wanted to work in entertainment when mm. I was in college. And I think that there have been, it's essentially been, if I remember correctly from my education of like seven years ago, but I think it's been that almost every time, every time that the copyright is about to reach another limit of like, Oh, it's 70 years, like whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and it, it's the time frame that, like, you know, Mickey Mouse would essentially be available for public... What's it called? Like, Creative Commons? Public domain. Public yeah, public domain. domain. Um, that Disney then gets it extended. Yeah. The mouse. And so I'm from I'm from Southern California. I'm uh, part of the area. That I grew up in a bunch of different areas, but one of them is uh, where Disneyland is at, mm. in, like, in Anaheim, Fullerton. And there's a lot of things that Disney will put a halt to in Anaheim. And so it's like an Anaheim thing that when it's like there's something made or some kind of law is done so you can't do X, Y, or Z in the city, mm. that people will just go, it's the mouse. Like it's like, <laughs> a, it's like an Anaheim thing of like, yeah. yeah, well, it's just them again setting the tone for yeah. the city. And what's really, what I find kind of bad about is that you know, as children, we're, these these images of childhood uh, are kind of associated with Disney. Yeah. Like, and so it's, it's just, you. it's obvious that you would be inspired by it when you're than making your own art, music, yeah, or whatever. Totally. But there's a halt to it. So I just was really, like, not liking it. So, you know, some uh, I did a piece called, um, I guess, yeah, one of my most recent-ish, or it's 2016 pieces I did, was called Transformative Use, where um, I've broken down the uh, uh, characters from Disney, just, like, lots of random shapes, and just rearranged them. And you can yeah. see that there's some... You can see some recognizable shapes for sure, but I know that it's not necessarily a law, but it's like transformative use. How yeah. much if you transform something enough, then you can get away with it. Is but the limit like fifty five percent or something, or fifty percent? I it, think it's no. if you do it over a certain amount. Even that, it depends on. Do you have lawyers? Because ah. <laughs> if you're going up against Disney, you could change it ninety nine percent, but that one percent could cost you uh, all your life savings wow. and lawyers. So there isn't really a. It's all you're a like gray that's why I don't have a savings account. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's really a, a big gray area of all these things and uh, yeah. it is those with the power to um, sort of hire uh, the lawyers and, take, mm-hmm. and to know the law, you know, like I don't know yeah. the law. I know a bit more because I'm, you know, that kind of nerd <laughs> to, to really research it. But the people who are the artists whose these copyright laws affect, we don't study, we spent our lives... Training how to yeah, training yeah. how to be artists, not to train how to be lawyers. So yeah. it is those who have the resources to exploit it, uh, who basically can benefit, and that's what I see with uh, copyright lawyers in general. Like you know, even authors, most of um, I'll stop on my rent in a second. But no, most, no, no, you're but, fine. But most of the authors uh, say who will benefit from this copyright are the one are the J.K. Rowlings of the world. Yeah, uh, most books will have a shelf life of however many, five, ten years, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's only, and same with music, art, whatever. Um, so it only really seeks to benefit those who have all of the assets already, who yeah. have Elvis Presley's back catalog, et cetera, yeah. who will seek to benefit. And then, then it comes to the case where it, 
even if you're inspired by a song, it could be grounds to be taken to court. Totally. That's, you know, that's interesting. It makes me, I don't know if, um, if it's been covered as much in the UK, but I've, I've just had so many curiosities around how, okay. So there's like estates and stuff, right? Like obviously like with Elvis, right? Like somebody's getting the money Mm -hmm. and I'm really interested to see what happens with situations where an artist you know, we've kind of like societally decided that like we shouldn't be listening to them anymore. And I think my hope and what I think would be cool is, you know, like with, are you, from, do you know about all the stuff that's been going on with R. Kelly? Oh, I will. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I don't know. You know <laughs> oh, sorry, what I mean? sorry. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, also yeah. like from Southern California, I assume social distortion was like internationally famous. And then people were like, no, only people in Southern California listen to that band. They're yeah. like a yeah. subculture band otherwise. So like, <laughs> I'm like, uh, I don't want to make assumptions true, about true. Uh, mainstream, what mainstream means to different people. And it is my hope that with, like, the money um, that would come from R. Kelly's catalog, Mm. because people will still listen, right? Like, there's still going to be money made off of his catalog on an international scale, is that instead of sending him the money, obviously, if he has child support, I think that those women and, like, the kids should still get money. But any money that would go to him, I honestly think should there should be some sort of thing in place where it is either a social norm, maybe not a law, but a social norm that, like then that money, instead of going to him, would be rerouted to, like, something to prevent that type of behavior, you know? And, like, yeah. or something to, like, help women who've been abused or something yeah. like that. I think that would be cool. And that's just my own personal, like, yeah. hope and anticipation as we start to, like, um, as, like, these artists who are clearly not good people mm-hmm. in one or more departments of their life, you know, um, do that like why are they still getting the money and like if somebody's dead like I'm kind of like isn't there something better the money could be going to than some estate but my question after that sorry I don't know why (laughs) but my question after that is um how do you get funding for what you do so um and um yeah so the, the funding so most of my um Income comes from being commissioned, basically. To okay, make interesting. So, because um, you see, I'm a famous artist, I'm not. <laughs> but um, yeah, so being digital art, like most of my artwork exists as videos or like JPEGs. Right, which is why I'm so interested because I'm yeah. like, oh, painters can sell their paintings or like, so then do you apply for, so it's commissions yeah. and then do you apply for grants and stuff? I don't apply for many grants, okay. really. Uh, not to not for my necessarily my own artwork. So yeah, the commissions um, are from galleries to, to make the artworks and I, I like to do a lot of stuff around the artwork so I often give a lot of talks about um, works uh, I've done. Cool. Um, I like lots of because it's based on the software. I like lots right. of tutorials and then therefore do lots of workshops with really? young people, old people, old people. That's so cool. And and yeah, I love it. And like I give lots of public talks. So mm-hmm. uh, gone to festivals just to talk about uh, a piece of work of mine about how it right. does a copyright, etc. So you know, like the, the artwork in itself, um, there's some money in it, but it's usually the activity surrounding it, and yeah. that's also a kind of education thing because. Conceptual art, right? Like yeah. It, 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 it sometimes looks rubbish on paper, but like as yeah. soon as you understand the artist, even if like you, you can see that there's more than just what's on the surface. Yeah. And so I really think, consider, especially considering digital art, computers, mm-hmm. hard to understand that I need to make a real effort to bring the people in to, to what I'm seeing, even if they still yeah. take something away different from it, at least they see more than just the colors. Well, and it's your, it's adding your narrative. And I think it also, you know, I think 
And that's sort of what was really driving me doing this podcast is that I've been on my mind for a long time of sharing how things come to fruition mm. because um, and I think it's really important because there's some art that I didn't really like. Um, I didn't really find it that compelling or engaging. Um, and I understood how maybe perhaps it was like historically relevant, but it wasn't until I understood like why the, the artists, you know, why of like why they created it mm. that I was like, Oh, that's incredible. There's a huge difference, you know? Um, and I think it also helps, you know, and I go back and forth on this because I think it, a lot of people are like, but I just want to see it and interpret it for myself. And I'm like, that's nice. That's what you want. You didn't make it. Mm. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. it's not like, and so um, I can't remember who I was speaking to about this. Oh, uh, my friend Zach, who like his Instagram is Zacher1 and he does really cool art, but um, it doesn't get in galleries because the whole sort of idea behind his art is that it's um, mobile. So he does really cool art on trains. So he mm. goes to train yards and then does really awesome illustrations that are sort of like social uh, commentary. But the idea is that then it moves around the country, right? Yeah. And so how do you have a show of that? Because then if you put it just in a gallery, it then loses a lot of its idea and stuff. And so we've had conversations around, like, when you have pieces somewhere, do you tell people what's going on? Do you leave it for interpretation? And I feel that he was a bit optimistic and like, no, I want people to interpret it. I'm like, people don't want to think. Also, when people are going to, like, art shows, like, going to a gallery is different. When you're going to, like, an art show, people are usually drinking. There's an yes, open bar. Definitely. They don't want to think. Like, they, they need drink. something to, like, tell them what they're looking at. Yeah. And that's really – and people who buy art and pay for art – they like being a part of that story and having context and stuff like that. Well, when you, especially when you talk about people who pay like significant money for art, yes, like definitely. if we're talking four to five figures, like those people aren't going to be like, well, that's pretty. Here's $12,000. You know, that's yeah, not the way yeah. the cookie crumbles. They want to like be emotionally and, and intellectually like invested and aligned with it. Um, so then what has been some of the stuff that you have done that like – you get most excited about and then on the flip side what are there things that you've done that you've been kind of like eh, I don't think I'd do that again um <clears throat> so the things I've been most excited about wow um I like uh working with more actually these days working with more um traditional galleries uh-huh so because the, the new media art is again another kind of general term for digital art as well yeah um for as long as it's always in different ways, but it's always like kind of on the outside of the art world. Like we have digital art festivals, but we won't be in like the the MoMAs necessarily, mm. especially like um, the very DIY geocities type of people doing right. it. So, um, so I've worked a lot in those sort of warehouse spaces. Okay. But I um, recently, or in the last say four years, I've been working more with galleries like Tate and Barbican in the UK uh-huh. um, on projects which are in these massive establishments. And just, and they're wanting me to come in to think about how this weird digital art can work within their space. Yeah. So like, um, you know, the, the firm. My f- That's so fun. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's again, it's kind of an education thing as well. I mean, it's yeah. where I can say this is how we do it or how this person does it. So like, um, for an exhibition at Tate or a day long event at Tate in 2015. They asked me to do something around remix culture, appropriately, mm-hmm. copyright. And yeah. they, um, so I took some sculptures, of, uh, some pictures of sculptures of theirs, and just made them to like these very fluid looking uh, 
mounds of pixels, I guess, is the best way to describe them. Fine. And they were projected like about 10 feet tall. I, I don't know if I can't convert that to meters. <laughs> but uh-huh. yeah, ten, um, That's yeah, okay. Yeah, projected like 10 how, feet tall. How many meters? I can't, I can't convert to meters. Oh, wait, how is that possible? Yeah, 10 feet tall. Oh, you just remember it was 10 feet tall. Yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah. about three meters. Okay, cool. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, they're projected at 10 feet tall, three meters tall. And, three and a half. Yeah. Whatever. Who's counting? <laughs> and, um, and it was projected the whole night. And so, like, my, my commentary there is that, like, even though it's a fixed um, it's model, it can be a malleable structure which you can work with, like clay still, and make yeah. something completely new. And, yeah, they, they loved it. Um, well, I hope they did. <laughs> Have you... God, that would be so much fun to do, I imagine, with, like, volumetric scans mm-hmm. of those same sculptures. Well, funny you say that. Um, hopefully it happens, but um, I'm going to be working with the VNA for an event at Victoria and Albert Museum Okay, that was my next question. I was yeah. like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> and they're, they're another one of those galleries that has a massive collection of things. But they've, they've been working with a company called Scan the World who do go into galleries and make scans of 3D models. Yeah. And again, with the kind of open source sort of thing, right. they make the models freely available to use. Because one, these are right. really high quality scans. Like you're getting every single little crack in, in, the, in the model. Amazing. And sometimes Those cameras are so expensive. Yeah, yeah. And they're like $30,000, I think. It's ridiculous. But like they... they um, or pounds, I suppose. It's expensive regardless. Really. Yeah. <laughs> I can't afford it still. But yeah, so they make it available. And for so for another thing about uh, copyright, I'm going to be like working with those models. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and your computer will really crash. Oh yeah, then it will definitely crash. <laughs> but um, <laughs> and yeah, so that so I, I like now these days working with these institutions just because it's like a more unusual setting, and I helped I'm like I'm not going to say I'm, I'm really an expert in this media digital I have been doing it for a while and went to lots of galleries but we want to make sure that they don't kind of try and take the narrative that they're creating new media art and it's yeah. like no this is a history this has a long history before I was born and yeah. um, it's it's just important to remember that like the ways and practices of way that we're doing it that it is still a very open democratic way we don't necessarily want to be taken over by the institutions so I'm glad that they right. are inviting people to really be open with how they do things so like whenever yeah. I work with these galleries they can really like what do you want to do yeah and transparency <laughs> no. is so important yeah. in that in all spaces Definitely. really so I like that they're doing that because um yeah That's so fun I want to go but um, when is it going to be so this um this part the the, the the VNA one will hopefully be on the 29th of March oh so, uh, that's too soon yeah. I can't I can't be there god but the, the videos will hopefully be online as well uh, on my website once uh, the, the event has happened that's so cool and yeah working with free so yeah that's what I like doing so that's my I guess my own art really yeah definitely and then because you do and me and God, there's so much to talk about. I wish we had more time. So, and for listeners, for context, uh, he was quite on time. I was, <laughs> I was, I had gotten in a deep conversation with somebody up the, the like somebody who I had a meeting with prior to this. Um, and so then I ran over here and it's 11.43 a.m. And the checkout of, of the hotel room that my friends and I are in is like 15 minutes. And I'm like, oh, God, what questions do I ask? So I guess <laughs> one of my questions, um, I suppose, is like how I imagine it's like a lovely community around, like in the space that you're in, that it's probably like mostly really awesome people. Like how 
like, do you have a lot of friends that do what you do, I assume? Because that's just how the cookie crumbles. Like, and how do you see that community growing as this becomes more approachable, hopefully, to people? There's a massive community. Well, okay, I say a massive community, a global community yeah. with little pockets everywhere. Yes. So, like, you know, really my exposure to this whole digital art stuff, at least doing it in galleries, was um, the Chicago community, in fact. There's a, really? Yeah, so um, I'll briefly explain it, but Glitch Art. Do you ever heard of Glitch Art? Yeah. Yeah, cool, but, like, still, it's, like, um, you know, art made from errors, so yeah. anything that looks broken. And, like, I was making this Glitch Art, and then suddenly... Like, I just happened upon a person and emailed them. Uh-huh. They're like, oh, cool, you're another person, uh, and you're in the UK. And then uh, they put on this uh, glitch art conference called gli.tc slash h, which is also the website name, uh, in Chicago 2010. And I uh-huh. went to it, and now I was like, wow, this is a whole new world. There's other people. It's not just me, like, so messing cool. around on my laptop at home. Oh, I it's love other it. People. So that was, like, the opening to mm-hmm. this. And so, like, we, we are a global community. I'm, I'm, I'm here um, in this country and in that country, and there's always, like, a meeting, like, a person. So I know your username, but I don't know your real name. Oh, that's so, so nice. Yeah, and, like, there are, so there are these, like, nice festivals and these nice events that happen, mm-hmm. and they're not... Uh, huge budget events but and then um sometimes we're all collaborating on like a online show and there's like 50 60 others um even if we never met we're still talking mm-hmm. so in that sense there is a good community like uh, in terms of internet yeah there's a global community and with respect to algorithm um it was founded in um Sheffield in the UK, or at least the person people who came up with the name uh-huh. um, and so a lot of the activity happens in their area like that's yeah. about 100 miles north of me but the UK is small and so <laughs> it's very small uh, so you could fit, uh, so you know so we all meet up and even me being here at South by Southwest it was just a result of one person who was contacted to say apply to mm-hmm. South by Southwest and then she organ- uh, Joanne Armitage she, and then she organised all of us but then we're playing another algorithm which is someone else organising it and we all very just kind cool. of like go oh you're a person let's let's you do that so it's a very yeah. it's, it's a community effort there isn't like an algorithm manager right. we're all <laughs> we like we, it's, it's like we get co- one person gets contacted and then we just pick out from the pool of people yeah and depending on what funding we've got sometimes we can bring where does in, the funding come from is it like again it's the institution that um what institution so for example so for for the thing that we for south by southwest it's various ones uh, prsf the um i can't actually remember what it stands for but they do lots of um stuff with musicians uh-huh. um british underground who again help yeah. promote musicians um Arts Council England, who are the main funding body for arts in the UK. And then, so then who applies for that? Because if it, there's like a community and you're, and you're bobbing around, like yeah. choosing each other, who does the paperwork? Ooh, one, but there's also or do they volunteer? Sponsor. Okay. One, and, and Lush, of course. Lush, uh, you know, the people who make the cosmetics, they, they sponsor this. Really? Yeah, I know, right? Do you take baths? Sorry? Do you take baths? Yeah, I do. And, and, but yeah, like they, they, Did um, you try the Ariana Grande bath bomb? I have not. I have seen, like, I saw their stand with all their bath bombs. I haven't yet oh, got That's one incredible. I didn't know it was that lush. I saw that on there and I was like, oh, certainly it's not no, that it, lush. It's, it's that lush. Good so, for like, them. Oh, I'm so impressed. Yeah, same. So, like, so with that then, um, the funding, British Underground basically handled a lot of that. And uh-huh. because they, you know, they're a showcasing organization. And so they really sort out they, they of course we have to do our organizing like flights accommodation picking artists all the right of, but the logistics yeah like the, the logistics. tour management stuff and yeah. yeah yeah and so like we weren't necessarily 
too involved with those negotiation processes with mm-hmm. like funding and everything. But um, yeah, so when it's something like that, um, mm-hmm. even even for example, there's an algorithm happening at the British Library, which is you know the the, the biggest library in the UK, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, it's a friend of mine who's like um, doing some work with them, mm-hmm. and then they approached her to put it on, and so that's being funded by the Alan Turing Institute and also British Library. So you know, it's just like if the institution has an idea. But then, generally yeah. speaking, I know I didn't get onto curating, but I'll just mention briefly. Yeah, please. Um, we're the main funding body is Arts Council England. Okay, and they have that's awesome. Yeah, they have like several several rounds of project grants, uh-huh. and they can range anywhere from like a thousand to a hundred, well, a million if you want. But like for the general person, it, it's kind of like under under ten thousand pounds, yeah, and over ten thousand pounds. That, okay. that's like where the the requirements are different, and so. Over my history, I've well, I've curated a number of shows, but the ones where it's my own project, I think I've done five, yeah, five of them, and it's all been for like under ten thousand uh-huh. pounds. But then, of course, you get in-kind support, so like this, they might the gallery might give you the space and the equipment oh, for free. Interesting. And so, yeah, it's it's um, it, it is it is a mixture of me having an idea. Even for like my own solo show, like I, fund, uh-huh. I fund, got Arts Council funding for that. So it's a mixture of uh, having a gallery that's interested in you, yeah. um, approaching them or them approaching you, um, seeing what they've got on offer that they can give you. It might just be space, which, you know, you've got to pay for space. And so then do you ask for that or do they offer it? Like, or how do those negotiations work? Um, most of the time when it comes to like the offering of space, they offer that to me. Mm-hmm. Like you can have a solo show, we'll give you the space to do what you want you can with and like whatever equipment that they have but if you want to like basically pay yourself <laughs> right and you've got to find some funding from somewhere yeah and so that's what the arts so for my solo show that's what the funding was for is for uh-huh. like for me to organize my own show right to get people in to do the tech like to install to buy yeah. some like computers or like uh media players to play some videos got it that's what i'm applying for and that's what i got and cool. and even like um, my the last show that I curated, um, it was within a, it was in collaboration with two galleries. It happened uh-huh. in two places, so uh, the, both of them gave me the space for free. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I applied for you know, a fee for my own time uh, to pay the artists more money. It's important to pay. Like they yeah. weren't going to get paid regardless, but it's right. to pay them more. Yeah, I could cover like travel costs from Berlin. That's amazing! Oh my god, I have so many. I wish we had more time because I'm like, I have so many questions about that part. And I think we do have to, unfortunately, wrap because I could, That's fine. God, I wish we could talk about this more. But uh, we do need to check out and because it's South by, there will certainly be people checking oh, yes, in. Yes, they will. Um, so my last question, which yes. is what I ask everybody, and I think I warned you about this yesterday. You not warned, not, but like, let's go for it. oh, well, good. Hopefully you'll enjoy it. Um, is that, uh, what, what is like an area that you would want to hear the behind the scenes of that you're curious about, like the work and resources and stuff or, or a person or whatever? Ooh, wow. Um, it would be, um, what would I want to hear more about? Um... Yeah, it can be anything. Uh, no, I, I think it will be like uh, artist liaisons, like people who have to work with musicians and artists in terms of like the booking and negotiate. Yeah, actually, yeah, tour managers, I guess, really. Oh, do easy, mean, I can do that. Yeah, well, do, well, do you mean like musicians or like in or? 
Like, is there a specific type, or is will musicians suffice? Like, musician tour managers, or like artist management? I think or... artist management more so. Yeah, because... more like visual artist. Yeah, management? visual artist okay. management. Because yeah, it's just like, like the negotiating of fees. Like, there's yeah. so many times when I'm having to send back emails going. Thanks for your thanks for offering me to do this, but I can't work for no money. <laughs> and so yeah. so it's like, but I'm doing this as me. So I'm wondering how does someone else yes. get this kind of what are those conversations like? Or yeah. you know, it, it, I know there's no rule but still. <clears throat> Indeed, yeah. I it is interesting um because I find in my experience that like when you're representing yourself, it's a little bit Obviously, it feels weird to you, but I think also there's uh, people behave differently. But if they think a third party's listening, yeah, they be, they're a little bit better behaved. They're not as likely to ask for free things if they know someone else is listening. Exactly, which is fascinating. That's awesome. Um, thank you so much for being on. You're I am welcome. sorry that we did not have more time. It's okay. um, I've got to fly anyway in like. That hours. is true. You have to. <laughs> yeah, and he is being very responsible. To how early he's showing up to the airport. I am. <laughs> God, I'm like you would be an artist manager's dream just <laughs> showing up with. Anna time. Um, well, thank you so much. It was wonderful having you on. Thank you very much for having me on. Hey, hope you enjoyed that conversation with Antonio Roberts. You can find him at, at Hello Cat Food. Definitely look him up. Um, and you can see several other links that we talked about in the description of this episode for other artists mentioned, um, for trendscaping, obviously, and then a few promo links for discounts on some of my favorite services. Um, I would like to thank Benjamin Betherum. Um, I never, man, he sent me a voice recording of how to say his name and I never know if I'm saying it right, but I would like to thank him for the music on this podcast. It is really great. And just a quick thought as I wrap this episode, um, I've been thinking about other things to sort of start and end the podcast with. And, um, I don't know. I've thought a lot about uh, different things that I do that I share with my friends that they think that I should share. Um, one of them that comes to mind is around phone stuff. So I, you know, I think we can all get pretty overwhelmed and like sort of in a weird headspace about notifications on our phone. When we get none, a lot of people find their self-worth like depleting because, you know, they're not getting as much outreach from other people. If you find yourself in that space, I urge you. Um, put your phone on airplane mode, read a book, find some self-worth by growing your knowledge set, go volunteer somewhere. Um, that kind of stuff really does help um, refreshing for notifications from people who are also refreshing for notifications um, is not a great way to validate yourself. But um, a few years ago, somebody encouraged me to turn off my Instagram notifications to save my battery. And when I thought about it that way, and then also realized, A, how much longer my battery lasted, B, how much less I sort of was like checking my phone, and C, how nice it is to get back on a platform and see that you have notifications as a pleasant surprise versus um, just, you know, seeing them one by one is really rewarding. So. Over time, I have in fact changed my notifications um, settings completely. My phone gets put on airplane mode frequently throughout the day. My phone is on do not disturb from 4 p.m. until noon the next day. There are a few people, maybe 10 to 15 people, whose calls go through. Um, but other than that, nobody's notifications come through um, at all. And, you know, some people find that frustrating. To that I say, that is their problem. Um, however, it's helped me a lot on focusing. Um, I also, I do have my like 
Twitter um, mentions and DM notifications on just because sometimes, especially when I'm traveling, I'll get some like sort of urgent stuff. I have my Facebook message notifications off mostly, but if I'm selling something on Facebook Marketplace or if I am like, if I put out a request for something and I'm hoping to hear back, I will turn those on on occasion, but mostly I have them all off. I keep my text notifications off, WhatsApp, WeChat, all of that, I keep them off unless, you know, unless like in situations where I'm at South by, I'll keep them on because I'm organizing guest spots and I am doing client work here. And um, yeah, so I just urge you for your own mental health to kind of set the bar and some boundaries for yourself and for others. Um, consider adjusting your notification settings. Uh, yeah, that's it. I appreciate you listening. I hope you liked the episode. Like I said at the top of this episode, please do subscribe, rate, review. If you're in the UK, um, go to some art shows, support some local artists. Um, the more I travel, the more I realize that it's like the same big artists, which are great, same big artists getting put on everywhere. And it's really important to support the young and up and coming artists and show people who invest in the arts that we are interested in what they're doing and what people have to say, because that is how art continues to be funded. Um, thanks. And let me know if there's anything you would like to hear the behind the scenes of. I really appreciate you listening.